Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Gals and Gore, and whew, do I have something crazy for y'all today. Oh my god. That's Alyssa. And that's Scotty. And we are really excited to talk today because Alyssa has had this case in her back pocket, and she has been showing me little bits and pieces of it. And I just have to say that I am so freaked out, like, beyond measure. And you should be, because this case gave me the willies, like, oh my god. Like the Willie Nelsons? That's what I got. Like the Willie Nelsons. I definitely got the Willie Nelsons when you... Like old, old Willie Nelsons. Oh, original Willie Nelsons. Yeah! <laughs> oh, ew! Okay, before we get started talking about this case, I want to give a really big shout out to Taylor Prejean, who is our on-call backwoods southern lawyer, mm-hmm. um, Reba style from the night that the lights went out in Georgia. And Taylor, let me tell you, he has a southern accent to rival them all. He is mm-hmm. going to eventually make an appearance on an episode with us and talk to us about some law stuff. Thank you, honey. Thank yes, you. we love Taylor. He also has his own law firm, Prejean Law LLC. So if you need any wills drafted up, <laughs> if you're planning on dying soon, give him a call. Um, so, yeah, he was listening to our last episode, and he messaged me about, like, uh, why they didn't bring up the kids in court, the kids' bodies, oh, okay. and then also why he, they never talked about the the daughter-in-law and the son from the mainline murders, and he said that they couldn't bring up the kids' bodies in court because of the evidence rule 404B, um, which basically states that other crimes and bad acts are generally not admissible. And he sent me rule 404. He sent me all of the information, and it was even specific to Pennsylvania. So Taylor has got our back. Mm -hmm. And I like that because, you know, now we know for further cases. Absolutely. So, um, again, we're hoping he'll come on and you can hear his accent later and he'll help talk us through some cases. So, thank you, Taylor. We welcome any advice. um, And we definitely love to stay on the right side of the law for sure. Indeed. All right, guys. So, before I start my case today, just a disclaimer. Um, if you hear any kids screaming in the background, they're definitely mine. Um, and I'm not going to apologize because I have a life and these kids are completely uncontrollable. So just ignore it. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely have lives. Also, and we're poor. So, you know, (laughs) we're poor. We already said that. And I have, um, a million dogs and they click, click, click around and bark. So. It's yeah. fine. Okay, so this case, let, again, I am already freaked out. I haven't heard anything about it except for a couple of the things that you sent me. I did not look anything up about it because it really, really scared me. I, I had no context, and the stuff that you sent me literally gave me chills. I was looking around every corner in my house for hours. I know. You can see me right now, and I'm like, Ooh, I got the chills because it's just so creepy. Oh, Ugh. the bad free songs. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. You literally just read my mind, but okay. <laughs> Everybody get ready to yeah. get the free songs. Get ready to get the free songs and settle in. We are going on a ride. I'm sure I'm ready. Do it. Tell me. I'm All right. here for it. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you about the mysterious death of Cindy James. Okay. All right. So Cindy was the oldest of six kids, um, which I can relate to, right? Yeah. I'm the oldest of six kids. (laughs) But, I mean, she had like a pretty good upbringing from what I can tell. She graduated nursing school in 1966, and then shortly after that, um, she was married to Dr. Roy Makepeace at just 19 years old, and he was 18 years her senior. What? Girl, Mm -hmm. she was getting that money. Let me tell you what, 19 years old, (laughs) marrying a doctor... She got the right idea. 
<laughs> right. I mean, and, but she obviously wasn't in it for the money, though, because she worked as a nurse, and she loved to counsel children with emotional problems on the side. Aww. But sadly, she had no children of her own. Aw. Well, know. yeah. 19, I bet he was getting his fair share out of the deal, too. I'm sure he was. (laughs) But, so, okay. She seemed happy enough, but in 1982, things started to get a little rocky for them, and she decided to divorce her husband due to certain circumstances, and she tried to move on with her life. And I thought that this was so strange. You know, like, everything seemed good, right? Why would all of a sudden she try to divorce him? So I started sleuthing on the internet, you know, digging a little deep. And it is reported that after a trip with her husband to visit a few of his psychiatrist friends, she claimed that she saw her husband and another psychiatrist, Dr. James Tyhurst, cutting up and disposing of a dead body. (gasps) What? Yes. And literally, this poor woman, she was passed off as crazy because nobody could believe that two well-respected psychiatrists would do such a thing. I totally thought you were about to say that she caught the two psychiatrists, like, having sex. And she was no. like, I realized my husband was gay, so I got divorced. But all of a sudden, it was like, left turn. They were chopping up a body and disposing of it. Right. Excuse oh me. God. Okay. Right. So, like, you know, divorce. Okay. Uh, yeah. But... Not only that, she found out that her husband's friend, Dr. James Tyhurst, was also practicing, like, radical psychiatric therapies and Mm -hmm. sexually abusing some of his female (sighs) patients. Oh, you know, that was such a big thing before people started to realize that you can't change people's minds by, you know, doing things to them sexually. Right. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I know. And, you know, like I told you, people did not believe her. She was cast off as, like, being crazy, which is insane because, like, years later, Mm -hmm. we find out that Dr. James Tyhurst has since been charged and convicted of sexual abuse on his patients with numerous people coming forward. So she was telling the truth. Yeah, she was not crazy. Mm. Um. Now, we never hear anything about the dead body, but, you know, she was right on one account, or at least she was proven right on one account. So, you know, already in this story, I feel for this woman because she's trying to speak out against something that she knows is wrong, and just nobody believes her. Yeah, and what would be the motivation to make that up or to lie about that? That's not something that you just come up with and say, especially if they figured out that she was not lying about the sexual abuse, like, I'd want to go back and, and revisit that. Maybe if she was telling the truth the first time, we should maybe check out this dead body. Right. Well, you'll quickly see in her story that many people did not believe her about so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that having a psychiatrist as a husband did not help. All right. Typical. So. We see Cindy get divorced from her husband, right, and try Mm -hmm. to move on with her life. But just four short months later, she would begin to experience, like, terrifying harassment and stalking from, like, a mysterious stranger. Okay. Get ready. I'm I'm stealing myself. I'm ready. Okay. So, on October 12, 1982, Cindy called the Vancouver police to report several threatening phone calls. She claimed that these phone calls were from an unknown person whispering her name and uttering threats. See, that's what you gotta do. If you're getting threatening phone calls, you need to call the police. Right. But in her case, it really didn't help, but you'll see. So, during one phone call, she reportedly hung up, drew the blinds of her front window, and the caller rang again and said that there's no use in hiding, Cindy. I know you're in the living room. (gasps) Oh! They're watching her for sure. Oh, ew. Oh, my God. Correct. And the harassment continued. All the people who knew Cindy said that they could see that it took a physical toll on her. She was always described as being beautiful and vibrant, and now she appeared, like, completely unraveled, which is, I mean, understandable. If people were calling me and threatening me, oh, my God, I... 
I don't, I would look like the walking dead. I mean, like, I get frazzled by, like, telemarketers. I'm like, please stop calling me. I don't have a Jeep. You know, like. (laughs) Stop calling me about my Jeep warranty. (laughs) Yeah, I would totally be super haggard. Oh, like Merle Haggard. (laughs) What is with all these country references today? You know how I feel about country music and I'm really disappointed in you. (laughs) It's so funny that you are so Southern, but you hate country music. It is the bane of my existence. Yeah, but either way, just absolutely freak out. I don't think that I would be able to continue with like my daily activities if I knew that someone was watching me and leaving me threatening messages especially as close enough to say there's no use in shutting the blinds I can see you right oh my god I would literally just shit my pants and die right there honestly I feel like I would just burn my whole house down and try to move to another city yeah I mean and that's not the worst part like these messages became increasingly darker and more threatening I mean Messages were beginning to be left on her windshield of her car, Mm. along with pictures of, like, covered corpses being willed into a morgue. Mm. Even scarier, these mysterious notes were beginning to be left on her doorstep. And some of of these notes um, read, you will die, and Cindy, I see you. So it's like they're getting closer and closer and closer every time. Yes. Oh my and god. That's not where this person stopped, okay? <gasps> These threatening messages were just the tip of the iceberg. This person had raw meat continually delivered to her house. No. Yes. Oh. Raw meat. That is creepy. And it gets worse. She has come home to find dead cats hanging in her garden, her <gasps> porch lights completely smashed. And when she tried to call the police, she discovered her telephone lines had been cut. (gasps) No. Time to move. Time to move. If somebody's killing cats, they're a serial killer. Yeah. If someone is going to kill a cat, they will kill you. Right. That is the rule. Yeah. (laughs) If you notice anybody killing cats, they are capable of killing a human. That is like a... Serial that's killer one of the hallmark. Markers. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the markers to notice, like, if your kid is killing cats, then, like, you should probably take them to see somebody because... Killing cats and small animals and then, like, hanging them up. Now, I know that a lot of people around here like to kill snakes and then hang them up as warnings to other snakes, but this feels different. I feel like... Yeah, yeah. A cat's not going to yeah. walk in the backyard and be like, oh, look at all these hanging cats. Might want to turn around. <gasps> Right, and, like, what is this cat, what are these cats did to anybody? Like, nothing. It's so fucked up, honestly. And to take it even a step further, one day Cindy came home to find her dog Heidi shaking with fright sitting in her own feces with a cord tied around her neck. No! Yes. No! So this person was not only using, like, you know, random stray or like possibly neighborhood animals to um torture cindy but now this person was using her own animal no no i was like before this is where i draw the line this is if you mess with any of my dogs i'm like i'm gonna have to set up cameras or something this is horrible (gasps) can you i cannot talk about like the psychological impact of knowing that Someone is messing with something that they know is super dear to you. I know. In a in such a morbid way. Ooh, right. Oh and it God. just like continues, you know, Poor like puppy. this person is just continually progressing and I just feel bad for her. It said that, you know, she wrote in her journals how these incidents just completely traumatized her and changed her because yeah. sometimes she would receive like daily threats and then nothing for long periods of time. Yeah. So she was just sitting there just waiting, waiting. for the ball to drop. Oh. Yeah. Oh my god. That is so scary. And it's almost like she could see it coming from really far away. Like, you know, when you see a train coming and the light is really small and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you know it's going to be here soon. Can you just imagine the fear of knowing that this person is escalating? They're getting closer to my house, my personal possessions, my animals. Like, they're coming for, for me. That is so frightening. Right, but she must have been, like, one bad bitch because, honestly, with the first threatening message, I would have been, like, 
okay, Brandon, let's pack up. We got to go. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, like, one time our neighbor was looking at us for too long, and I was like, oh, my God, do you think we should move? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I am super paranoid. So, obviously, she was, like, a really strong woman because she was phased by it, but not phased enough to move at this point. Yeah. Let's find a realtor. We got to put the house up for sale. In the meantime, we'll live in our car. Let's get out of here. Yeah, exactly. And she I was mean, alone too. Like she had been divorced and there was no like guy around the house to make her feel safe or whatever. And blah, 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 blah. so scary. Right. I mean, I just, oh, I am just completely floored. Like the deeper you get in, you're just like, why? What, you know, like what the hell? Can make so, someone do this. Exactly. So not long after these notes and the cats began to appear, this person started to physically attack Cindy. <gasps> what? Yes. Oh my gosh. So one night, Cindy's good friend Agnes Woodcock dropped by just to visit, you know, like, hey girl, what's up? Let's have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. But when she knocked on the door, there was no answer. But Cindy, like me, go girl, I know you. She was known for taking long ass baths. I mean, I love that. Same. I'm also known for not answering the door. Yeah. <laughs> to anyone. So, double whammy, go girl. Yeah. And Agnes was like, okay, girl, like, you're just, that's what's keeping her. She's just taking a bath, right? She's just soaking. Yeah. But like, she was like waiting and Cindy never showed up. So she went around the back of the house and she found Cindy. Crouched down with a nylon stocking tied around her neck. <gasps> uh-uh. Yes, she was so shaken. And when she told Agnes what happened, she said that she went to get something in the garage and someone grabbed her from behind and began to attack her, wrapping the stockings around her neck and strangling her. Oh my gosh, just like her dog. Yes, and she said the only thing that she got a good look at was the attacker's shoes. And they were... White sneakers, go figure. I mean... Oh, total dad shoes. Like the white Reeboks. Total white dad shoes. Exactly. This is exactly what I was thinking. Like, Uh, those those corny infomercials, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. An attack from from behind that's like they knew what they were doing so that they wouldn't... She wouldn't be able to see them. Right. And so, um... Cindy thought that when Agnes got there and started knocking on the door, this person got scared and ran away. And so Cindy like, went and hot, hid in the backyard. Um, mm. So they called the police, right? Yeah. Something bad happens. It's scary. You call the police. But the police get there, and they, like, reportedly can't find any clues for any of these incidents, okay? Like, they're like, um, you know, Cindy, these notes and stuff seem suspicious, and the cats and stuff, but, like, we can't find any evidence. And it's clear that they don't believe any of her stories, and they openly let her know that they were questioning her mental health. <gasps> okay, do you remember how when we were talking about Dorothy Scott and we were saying, mm-hmm. you know, maybe she didn't call the police because she was afraid nobody would believe her? Yeah. Because the police are always so super dismissive to women who are scared. And it's yeah. always like, oh, maybe you're just hearing things or seeing things. Maybe right. you tied this nylon stock around your neck. Like, yeah. How can you not yeah, take this seriously? Yeah, because that's what I like to do in my spare time. Oh, practice some... my nodding skills, fucker. Some I people do hate like whenever to people okay, put but nylon socks around their neck. <laughs> that's a different topic for a different time, girl. But I mean, you know, this poor woman has been traumatized and stalked and harassed, and they have the balls to say, you know what, Cindy, we think you're a little cuckoo. No. We're not here for it. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Law enforcement needs to take that seriously. Absolutely. Set up a perimeter. And Y'all need to be watching. You need to be listening to her phone lines. You need to have... Oh, just wait. I would need somebody. I would be like, I need an officer outside of my house 24-7 watching. Well... Unacceptable. It does eventually come to that, but you'll see how long it takes for this to actually happen. happen. Okay. Sad. 
sad. Right. So whenever the officers start to tell Cindy that they're questioning her mental health and they don't believe her stories, she knew that she was going to have to deal with this all on her own. So Mm -hmm. she packed up. She moved to a new house. She got her car painted. And she even changed her last name. All right. There you go, girl. Okay. All right. we're in a new house. We're living a new life, right? Uh-huh. And you would think, like, maybe new she name. gets a little break. For sure, yeah. Okay, and then in November of 1982, Pat McBride, the officer overseeing her case, moves in with Cindy for one month as he continues to investigate. Okay, but during this time, they get close and become lovers. He moves in? He moves in. That doesn't seem like regulation. Right. I don't know if I've ever Which, heard of that before. Like There is some speculation, though, that they were lovers before. Ah, uh, that would make sense. But there is some that, like, you know, just said, like, okay, he did this for protection, and then they just got close. I'm not sure. The whole thing seems a little weird to yeah, me. Yeah, because I've heard of them stationing an officer outside of your house to watch coming and goings, but right. definitely not <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be moving into your guest bedroom and maybe into your bed. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, I mean, you know, shit happens. I get it. Yeah. Whatever. But remember his name, Pat McBride. Okay, Pat McBride. Old Pat. Okay. Old Pat. Okay. And, like, about a month after he moves in, he reports that he discovered Cindy's ex-husband, Roy Megpiece, patrolling the alley behind Cindy's new house armed with a handgun and a rifle. <laughs> Both? Both. Now, there's no evidence to prove this, but it's in his report, which I thought was really strange. You know, ex-boyfriend, I mean, boyfriend pinned against ex-husband, you know, like, accusing him, like, Of carrying around a handgun and a rifle. That's a handful. Yeah, very dramatic, right? I mean... You can't even use those at the same time. Why not two handguns? I mean, not unless you're the Terminator. And... We don't have any evidence to say that he wasn't. We don't. <laughs> There's no evidence at all of any of it. You're right. Where yeah, is so, it? Roy Makepeace is the Terminator. Probably. We just don't know if he was able to carry both of those at the same time and patrol. What a man. Are you able to carry a handgun and a rifle? Email us. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Not just carry them. Use them at the same and time. And patrol. Yeah. I mean, I can barely carry a towel and a washcloth to the bathtub without tripping over my own two feet. So, I mean, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Let's stop boasting about his his skills because I am over it. His carrying skills, right. Right. But here's where it gets a little fishy with Pat McBride and Cindy's relationship. Okay. Less than three months after he moves in, um, Pat moves out oh. at her request. But it's reported that they continue to date, and she allowed him to keep his key. Mm -hmm. So he has a key to To her house. Right, which I mean, like, okay, whenever I read this, I was like, at first I was like, suspicious, but then I was like, "Mm." I mean, maybe it was for, like, the occasional booty call. Yeah, not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, especially if you're used to taking long baths and, you know, he's coming in and out of the house and you don't want to get up. Or if, like, you're laying in bed watching Netflix and you don't want to get up and let him in. Well, this is the 80s, but yeah. (laughs) I'm just just thinking about now if I'm, well, and, you know, maybe this is just me because I'm super lazy, but I'd be like, yeah, for sure. When you get here, just let yourself in. Girl, same. Or if she's at work and she needs him to do an errand. Yeah, we're going understand to fix that. our toilet, for sure. Yeah, duh, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, you get it. Free labor. Not long after Pat moves out of Cindy's house, in the beginning of 1983, um, Cindy asks the phone company to install a tap, mm-hmm. all right? And they're able to trace some of these calls to, like, outlying Vancouver, but no specific information could be obtained from these calls because they were too brief. Mm-hmm, yeah. In addition to the calls being traced to outlying Vancouver, Cindy also received some dead yellow flowers with a card that read, Are you ready to die? <gasps> no, ma'am. Right. No, what ma'am. The fuck. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Excuse. No, ma'am. No. 
I need a handgun and a rifle and another handgun, honey. That ain't that is not. I'm gonna need you to secure the perimeter of my house with bombs, okay? <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. Let's hang up dead cats around every. Yeah. Let's make a fence of dead cats so that no one can get in. Yeah, that yeah, because that definitely keeps all my neighbors away. That's what keeps serial killers away. I hear. <laughs> if you put, oh. yeah, maybe okay. they think like there's already a serial killer here. Yeah. Killing cats. Oh, yeah. So I don't. Good one. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. move in. You know, I can't move into his territory. Okay, like your logic. Because, you know, serial killers are always white men, the most dangerous creature on yeah. the planet. True. These white yeah. men are dangerous. Basically. <laughs> Ugh. I don't even. Uh, okay. That note is not, It. that's a, that's not just like a no from me. That's a fuck no from me. Absolutely. Uh-uh. Absolutely. Mm-mm. And... It was also a fuck no for her because five days later, she hired a private investigator, Ozzy Caban. Good. Get it, Ozzy. Ozzy was on the case. Let me tell you <laughs> something, okay? When you see Ozzy, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Get it? Uh-huh. Oh, okay, oh. so Ozzy started her case, but he had a sinking suspicion that his client was holding something back. And when he <laughs> talked to Cindy's parents, they agreed. They thought that she, too, was holding back crucial information. But they also thought that she had an idea of who was doing all this but was too afraid to say. Mm. All right? Yeah. And that's understandable because if she was being threatened or, you know, if this person threatened her family. Yeah. You know? I mean, mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. A lot of people, even just in, like, regular abusive relationships, are too afraid to say that they're being abused because... They don't want to get hurt further or they don't want them to hurt their family or their pets, you know, so totally understandable that she'd be holding that back. Right. And other than tracking down leads, Ozzy would like, he was the man. He had lights installed outside of her house. He gave her a two-way radio with a panic button so she could reach him even if her telephone lines were cut. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, like, he was looking out for her. Go, go, Um, go. Yeah, for sure. But late one night, Ozzy heard odd noises coming from the two-way radio. And so he rushed to her house. And what do you know? He found Cindy lying in the hallway with a knife through her hand that had a note attached to it that said, You are dead, bitch. Oh, no. What? He stabbed her in the hand and then left a note to it like she was a human corkboard. Yeah, or a kebab. A kebab with I mean, a, a note for death. A kebab with a note, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh-uh. Oh, Ozzy. Do you see now? Like, okay, now I want to ask the police, do you think that she stabbed herself and left that note? What? Just wait. Uh-uh. So Cindy was just lying there motionless, and at first he thought she was dead, but he found a pulse. So they rushed her to the hospital. And after regaining consciousness, she was able to tell investigators that she felt someone put a needle in her arm. And she had no recollection of the stabbing. Oh, no. So now they're but drugging even, her. Right. But even still, the police believe she staged this attack. They did not bother to take fingerprints at her home or on the knife or the note. What? Yes. I know. You're speechless. I'm, and I I'm, was, too. I'm speechless about how... They literally could have stopped this right here and there. They probably could have found out who it was. And they didn't because they're dicks. Right. And Ozzy, he was not with the police. He did not believe that she could have been able to inject the needle or stab herself at the angles that they both entered the body. I mean, like, he strongly believed that someone had attacked her. Ozzy! obviously. Ozzy! Ozzy is the man. Go, Ozzy. Yeah, I'm liking Ozzy more and more, and I'm liking the police less and less. Right. And poor Cindy. I mean, she wanted so badly to try and remember anything she could. So she agreed to go under hypnosis, take polygraph tests, but unfortunately it was determined that she was just too traumatized to be able to give useful information. But you and I both know that hypnosis and polygraphs aren't really the most reliable information because, I mean, it's like a stress test. Yeah. 
Definitely. You know? They can But the police just use things. this against her. They just use this as more proof that it was she was faking it. I mean, also, whenever you're under the influence of a heavy drug, like, say, like, morphine or something like that, your, your mind, it, not only can your mind completely block out trauma, but when you're under the influence of a drug like morphine, there's literally a black hole. Your brain shuts down. Right. And it can be impossible to access those memories anyway just because of the drug interaction in the brain. Right. And so the police decided to um, give Cindy a little, okay, you know, we'll take your case a little seriously, okay? They set up a 24-hour surveillance, okay? But unfortunately, during the time that they set up this surveillance, there were no calls, no notes, Mm. nothing okay and again the police just use this as more proof that it was all fake but ozzy and her sister melanie will come out and say that they answered multiple phone calls where nobody spoke at cindy's place while cindy was present Mm. Mm -hmm. okay but i mean when i was reading this my first thought was like Maybe the person doing this had police intel or was part of the police department, like um, Pat McBride. The ex-boyfriend. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. Oh, it's really convenient that they're not getting any calls now that they know the police are around. Mm. Sketchy. Right. But other than this 24-hour surveillance, they did fucking nothing. Her home was never tested for listening devices. They never did an investigation into the policeman, Pat McBride, that she was seeing. I mean... If the attacker really wanted to make Cindy look crazy, avoiding themselves, avoiding like coming out and making themselves known when the police are watching, I mean, was the perfect thing to do. Absolutely. And then also, I mean, just like not taking the fingerprints from the knife and not like taking any fingerprints from the scene. That's just insane to me. It's insane. It's right there. It really is. Oh I know. my God. Okay. I know. I'm so angry. And so, Right. So, unfortunately for Cindy, the next attack that she suffered was a complete escalation from what she had been experiencing before. She was found basically frozen, suffering from hypothermia in a ditch over six miles from her home. Um, She was left wearing a man's work boot and a glove with a black nylon stocking around her neck. No. And she had been beaten. She had a black and blue eye, numerous injuries and bruises to her body. Uh-uh. But the police still did not take her seriously. Uh, how could she have done that to herself? Right. I mean, it is so infuriating to listen to all of these things and to know, know that just something know that could they have been did, done. Right. And that they did And nothing. it gets more infuriating, I hate to tell you. Oh, I'm... Uh, especially like when you said, you know, like the nylon sock is back around her neck and, you know, like that there's, there's a boot. It's just so personal and so creepy. It is. And it gets, like I said, it gets even more infuriating and creepier. So understandably after the last attack, she was scared for her life. So she asked her friend Agnes and Agnes's husband, Tom, to (laughs) stay with her. And the night, one night, after everyone had gone to bed, they were awoken by noises in the basement, and they went to see what was going on, mm-hmm. and they found the basement in flames. What? They tried to call 911, but the phone lines were cut. <gasps> Panic button. Panic button. Right, and Tom ran outside to go ask a neighbor to call the fire department. He saw a man standing in front of the house. <gasps> Tom asked him, hey, can you call 911? But instead of answering, the man started running away down the street without saying a word. What? Um, suspicious. Right. That's not normal behavior. No. What the fuck? That's oh. so weird. You just force Gump it out of there whenever <laughs> someone's asking you for help? Yeet. Yeah, I mean, no. Come on now. Oh. Suspicious. Uh, oh my god. I'd have been like, that's him. Somebody catch him. Right. Oh. But now, the police got there and they determined that the fire was deliberately started. Yeah, it was. And they labeled it as an act of arson, okay? They searched the basement windows and said that they were still dusty. They couldn't find any fingerprints on the windowsills that were usable that the perp could have, like, you know, entered or gotten through. And Mm -hmm. they determined the fire was staged. Okay, well, obviously the fire was started by someone. Like, somebody came in and set the basement on fire to terrorize her. 
but right. staged. So they're they're insinuating that Cindy started this fire. What? Tell me, what is Cindy getting out of all of this stuff that she's doing to terrorize herself? What do the police think that she's getting out of this? Well, her husband, Dr. Roy Makepeace, who is a psychiatrist, had confessed to the police that he thought that Cindy was suffering from multiple personality disorder. Of course he did. Like you said, he's a psychiatrist, so he's trying to make her look crazy. Right. Oh. Um, and investigators also pointed to the fact that people had seen and Cindy had told Ozzy that she walked her dog sometimes at night. Mm-hmm. And they said that if she's going to walk her dog at night alone, she must not be scared of an attacker. But to me, this woman is strong. And she wasn't. she didn't leave her home until, I mean, it was way past time. Yeah. So, why? I mean, she doesn't seem like the type of woman to break her own habits just because somebody decided to, you know, scare her. Yeah, and that's victim blaming. That's like saying, oh, well, if she's going to go walk the dog at night, I mean, if she gets attacked, that's her fault. Right. Uh -uh. Exactly. No. But with the pressure of these attacks and nobody really believing her other than her parents and her PI, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, people started to notice that her mental state really did seem to be deteriorating. Absolutely. Understandable. And worrying that Cindy might be suicidal, her doctor committed her to a psychiatric hospital for 10 weeks. Oh, my God. I know. It's like she can't get out. She can't escape I know. this she life. can't do anything it's like a it's a scary movie a fucking psychological thriller novel yeah and it's this you know, bad I mean, cycle like every time that she says that something bad is happening they think that she's crazy and then she feels even more scared and possibly crazy and then it's just like it spins out of control Ugh, this is horrible right and what was she supposed to do you know but after 10 weeks of care they finally let her go home And she confessed to her family and friends that she had been holding back information. She claimed that her attacker had threatened to kill her whole family if she outed them. Yeah. And Cindy told them that she had planned to go after this person herself. Wow. Yeah. She was going to take care of this problem by herself. Exactly. And after she got out, Cindy went to the police and told them who she believed was behind the attacks. And she named her ex-husband... Dr. Roy Makepeace. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Correct. So she's saying a name now. This is good. Right. And like I told you, police spoke with him, and he denied all of the allegations and then turned over some evidence that he had on his answering machine because um, he said somebody was supposedly, you know, calling and threatening his wife. But then he also said that, you know, he thought she might have multiple personality disorder. But... Right here, I'm going to play you um, the recording Mm-mm. from the voicemail that they were um, given, okay? And no. for anybody that's listening, I just want you to know that this is extremely terrifying. Um, so if you are easily scared, you might want to skip like 15, 30 seconds, okay? So, it, yeah, if you're scared, yeah. or if you're easily disturbed or scared, because this is a real voicemail, from yes. the attacker, go ahead and skip 30 seconds ahead now. All right, so here is the voicemail that was left. All right. Oh, I'm so freaked out. Oh, my God, I'm so disgusted and... oh. oh. I know. Oh, my God. That literally, like I told you, I was listening to it in the dead of the day. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, I made sure all my doors were locked. Uh-uh. No. you. Uh, that's only the second time that I listened to it because I heard it the first time. And it scared me so much that I could not listen to it again until just now. And I have chills all over every inch of my body. So what? what are they saying in that recording? Okay, so this person who left the message said, Cindy, dead meat soon. (gasps) Right. And it's so strange that 
one of like this specific message had been left on Cindy's ex-husband's answering machine two weeks prior to her October attack in 1988. Oh, and he never thought about releasing that before cindy dead meat soon that sounds like a demon right if i heard that sound like a demon oh my god if i heard that on my phone i would throw my phone as far as it would go and i would move to another state i don't oh my god that's so scary right and i mean whenever detectives heard this they instantly were like um that sounds like cindy what the fuck no That does not sound like Cindy. That sounds like Satan. (laughs) Right. But Roy, Cindy's ex-husband, did testify that he thought it was a male voice. But there was like little to no credit given to his theory, of course. Uh, What? I'm not understanding what what the motive is to make her seem crazy. Why doesn't anybody want to believe that this is a psycho coming after her? Right. I know. And... Unfortunately, you know, this was just something that could have been avoided or could have been helped, and they just did not do anything to, like, really help her. Mm -hmm. And she suffered a lot. This woman suffered over years. I mean, almost seven years of of harassment and stalking and torture. Yeah. Mental torture. Exactly. So let's skip to May 22nd, 1989. Cindy visited Ozzy's office and said that she was prepared to give him information that she had not given him before. She was ready to talk and she was prepared to fight. Okay? Okay. So they had set a meeting for um, later on, I guess, like in the week or later on, you know, in a couple weeks. Uh Okay? May 25th, 1989. Okay. Cindy goes to the mall to do some grocery shopping and she deposits her paycheck from the hospital but she never makes it home. Mm. All right. Her car was found in the shopping mall where she was last seen. And when investigators went over the vehicle, they found blood on the driver's side door and items from her wallet that were thrown about outside the car. Mm. Now in the trunk, they found the groceries that Cindy had bought along with a wrapped gift that she had gotten for someone. Okay. And for two whole weeks, Her family and friends were left to wonder where Cindy was and what happened to her. Yeah. And the gruesome discovery of her body shocked everyone. Oh, no. Her body. What happened? She was found in the front yard of an abandoned house in, like, a rather high-traffic area with lots of pedestrian foot travelers. So, it initially seemed that she couldn't have been killed whenever she was first reported missing. But Mm. after the autopsy, it showed that she had most likely died the day she disappeared. Mm. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. Um, Her body showed numerous wounds, including an injection mark on her arm that would later be determined to be a high dose of morphine. Uh. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, my gosh. She was found with both of her hands and feet tied behind her body, and around her neck was a black nylon stocking, which had been used to strangle her. Mm. For the third time. Right. And what was missing from the scene was the needle used to administer the morphine. Mm -hmm. But police concocted the notion that Cindy had injected herself elsewhere, discarded the needle, walked a mile and a half to the scene, tied her hands and feet behind her back after strangling herself. What? Right. Okay, first of all, if she did all that, she's a magician. Yeah, agreed. You can't... And, And even with all of this, okay... Even when they went to look into it, they found no proof of purchase for the stockings in Cindy's, um, in any of her stuff. They didn't find any proof of purchase. They didn't find the needle. They didn't find the morphine, you know, and not to even mention, how can you do that? How can you strangle yourself and then tie your hands? It doesn't make much sense, right? You can't. How can you even tie your own hands? You have to be like a a Navy sailor who's won a knot tying contest to be able to tie your own hands behind your back. That's insane. Right. Exactly. And the official cause of death was morphine and other drugs overdose. Um, Even though the police claimed it was a suicide and possible accident, the coroner ruled over both of those results and ruled it as an unknown event. What? 
uh, first of all, the there it should never have been a suicide. That is, especially with all the things that were leading up to it, the way that she was tied up, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Everybody who's on this case needs to be fired and put in jail. Oh, it's so terrible. But Ozzy, her PI, believes that she had been taken, killed elsewhere, and then her body was dumped shortly before it was discovered because, you know, I told you there was so much foot traffic mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that. And, I mean, yeah, it's just not fair to her. I mean, her PI and her parents and her friends all believe that the police were not interested at all in finding who was attacking Cindy but trying to just blame the victim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, the evidence in this case was so contradictory and incomplete and, I mean, just completely baffling. And they just blamed her every step of the way. Yeah. Now, I do think it's interesting that later on it's reported that Pat McBride was stripped of his badge for what is reported to be similar attacks or threats against other women. But he has since passed. um, And he's never given any statements or any interviews or anything like that. Similar attacks on women as, like, similar to what happened to Cindy? Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh. Right. Now, both of Cindy's parents have since passed away, never really knowing what happened to their daughter. Her <sighs> sister, Melanie Hack, has written a book, and she runs a website dedicated to trying to find her sister's killer. Oh, my gosh. Way to go, Melanie. I know. I cannot even imagine. I know. We literally said that at the exact same time. I cannot imagine. Oh my God, how horrible. This is so horrible. I know. So no closure for the family. You know, no justice for Cindy. The whole thing is just horrible that this victim, this woman, was just left to suffer because they just were uninterested. They didn't believe her. I right and I cannot believe that like you took an oath to protect and serve and you can't be bothered with this stuff that is seriously disturbing agreed a hundred percent I feel so horrible for I mean not only for Cindy and for all of these years of mental torture I cannot imagine how strong she had to be to to just keep going through that. And then for her to keep going back to the police and saying, look at this, there's more stuff. And to imagine the desperation her family felt from not being able to know, I... Right, and she still tried to live her everyday life. I mean, she went to the mall right before her death. She bought a gift. Those don't seem like actions of somebody who's trying to kill themselves. She bought groceries. Yeah, nobody... Yeah, no. Nobody goes to the grocery store and buys a gift and then, you know, is like... yeah ties their hands behind their back and injects themselves with morphine. It's completely fucked up. And honestly, this case, out of all the cases that I've researched and done, is probably one that will haunt me the most because this woman, you know, she actually asked for help and she did not get it in the people that we're supposed to trust. And... I do know there are plenty of police officers who are there for the victims. You know, they want to help. But sadly, that is not the case with these Vancouver police. Oh, my God. I uh, I don't even know what to say. It, it's, such a, it's such a mixed bag. I mean, and, and, you know, whenever we do ask about other victims and we say, like, why didn't she tell anyone? Why, why didn't they reach out? And unfortunately, this happens so much yeah. more than we even know. You know, about how many, um, I don't have any statistics, but how many rape cases have never even been tested, you know? Right. And that's why people don't want to come forward and say anything because they feel like law enforcement is not going to support them. I agree. And it's very sad. It is. I'm, this is going to haunt me forever too because that voicemail literally pierced me to the core of my being. I know. That scared the shit out of me. I was home alone. (laughs) I was so scared. (laughs) Me too. And yeah, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, extra edit this episode because we both have literally been so jumpy this entire time. Oh, because it's so scary. It is scary, but... And this person could still be out there. Yeah. This wasn't well, that long ago. Yeah. No, it really wasn't. And yeah, I guess they could still be out there. Oh my God. What is the name of her sister's book? All right. So her sister wrote a book called Who Killed My Sister? My Friend. 
And what's her name? Full name again? Melanie Hack. Melanie Hack. Who killed my sister, my friend. That's heartbreaking. Yes. I I know, and I'll post a link for the um for the book on our website along with the sources and the pictures because you'll be able to see some of the notes. Um you'll be able to see the crime scene picture. So you'll be able to see a picture of Cindy, the crime scene, and her ex-husband Roy make mm. peace. Oh my gosh, and you brought so much real life stuff from this case and it, it just makes it so um just like you can reach out and touch it. It's just right there and it's so real and creepy. And yeah, if you're interested in true crime, reading this book would probably help fill in a lot of those gaps about things we didn't know or, or you know, we, we can only talk about this for so long and it's like there's so much more information Yes. involved in I all of this. Um, absolutely. So yeah, um, check out our website, um, Gals and Gore wixsite.com slash podcast and also on apple podcast make sure that you like review subscribe so that you get messages and yes. see whenever we come out with new episodes each week and then also all these pictures will be on instagram too um on the handle at gals and gore yes thank you guys for listening yeah so make sure that you oh, lock all of your doors <laughs> hire Hello. a really good private investigator Oh my god, I know. Oh, I'm so freaked the fuck out. This is so creepy. So I freaked out. I want to just thank you for um, robbing me of many hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably going to listen to this over and over and over again just because I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> so creepy. I know, I'm really sorry, but it needed to be done. This woman's story needs to be told over and over and over again. Yes, so that we don't make same mistakes we have to listen yes. to victims when they tell us that something is wrong we have Indeed. to we have to do absolutely. it absolutely so thanks for listening to another week of gals and gore podcast bringing you the Ooh. creepiest goriest creepy. stories and we're so happy that you listen to this one with us this is by far the cringiest thing ever if you could have seen us in the video it is just a non-stop cringe fest so it thank really you is. so much for listening and we will be back next week with another episode to fill your need for gore thanks y'all boy correct okay so the next day, do you hear that? Uh-uh. What do you hear? Breathing. Oh, it's Zach. Oh, my God. It's Zach snoring. He's like, <gasps> Zach. Scared the shit out of me. I was like. It is scary. And I, he is just like. <sighs>